genuine question now. Go ahead. When was the last time you experienced decent, not even like exceptional, just decent customer service? Oh, long time ago. I mean, there's no secret formula for it yet. What we do know is that most companies seem to be pretty bad at it. But not you, my friend, not you, listener. Oh, no. You can create an amazing customer service experience when you use the brand new service hub from HubSpot. Yep, this all-new service hub from HubSpot brings customer service and support together in one simple but powerful platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. And of course, it's powered by AI, not Al, AI, meaning your team can automate those tedious tickets from people who've clearly not read your frequently asked questions. Pain in the backside, aren't they? Oh, and by the way, organizations using HubSpot Service Hub are resolving tickets 13 times faster, helping them to close 42% more tickets per day. That means increasing retention by more than 80%. Thank you, people at HubSpot who, who did the maths on that one, because I wouldn't be able to. I love a bit of data. Did you also know, Al, that it consolidates your entire internal knowledge base into one place? So no matter who is working on support, they'll have the answers at their fingertips. I did know that because I wrote that for you. Well, there you have it. Stand out from the crowd and migrate to HubSpot Service Hub today. Visit HubSpot.com slash service and learn how this all-new solution can help you deliver for your customers. A lot of them will think, well, I had to work really hard to get to that point. So hell no, you're not having the, the changes. Plus, I'm thinking, well, I'm equity now, so I'm not spending that money on you guys because I want to get my cash out. Hello and welcome to the award-winning Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. My name is Leanne. I'm a business psychologist and an award-winning co-host. My name is Al. I'm a business owner and an award-winning business podcast co-host. And we are here to help you simplify the science people and create amazing workplace coaches. Happy 2024, everyone. I know we've said that before, <laughs> but you may have gathered from our last episode, it was recorded ahead of time. So one, we didn't die in a horrible accident. Great news. Mm -hmm. Two, happy new year again. And three, we won some awards over the break. We did. We did. We were driving. We, we live in Bosnia and Herzegovina near Mostar, as, as I think we might have said before. So we drove back to the UK with the dog and uh, we went back for Christmas. We were maybe in, I think, Austria. You just, we stopped for a coffee and then you were like, oh, we won an award. Yeah, I did. I did. We won the Positive Change Podcast Award categories for Best Psychology Podcast and Best Co-Hosts Family, in brackets. Obviously, Al and I aren't related, but you know what, you know what it means. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a twist, Awkward. wouldn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, so we're really, really excited about that. And thank you so much for the people who arranged those awards and who, who gave them to us, which was quite rightly the right choice. <laughs> uh, so we are back here and we're feeling a little bit more refreshed. As I said, we went to the UK. We're away for, I think... We worked it out. We were away for like 17 nights and spent mm -hmm. and slept in 14 different beds. It was a bit hectic. Then we came back and we just, from New Year to now, we've just had a quiet like mm -hmm. week. Just, we feel a lot more invigorated. We feel like we've taken our own advice here a little bit. You know, the whole burnout thing. And we were like, yeah, yeah, burnout. We talked about a lot about last year, but I don't know about you, Lee, but I was starting to feel a little bit burned out towards December when we were struggling to get all these episodes done. And I was just like, oh, this bloody podcast. But back, excited about it. We never really fell out of love with the podcast. I think I just got a bit burnt out, a bit grumpy. I think that just happens towards the end of the year, doesn't it? And we had a really busy run up to it as well. If you're a regular listener, you'll know 
that last year was just a bit nuts. Um, but we are really excited. We're very excited about the guests we're bringing you. We're very excited about the content that we're going to be focusing on on 2024. It has sparked some new ideas. You might be some seeing something slightly new from us over the next few weeks. No spoilers. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out. We will might look all a bit, bit different in a few weeks' time. Maybe. Talking of looking a bit differently, I, I I ate all the cheese that the UK had to offer. And so now I'm a little bit concerned that my shirt, I put it on today and I was like, has this shrunk in the wash? No, no, I'm just, I've got, <laughs> I've done the opposite of shrinking. So if you are looking at this and, and worried about how tight this is, not not, not meant to be this tight. Anyway, moving on. it looks good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Luckily, it's just from the boobs upwards for me. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to see my cheese belly. Anyway, so we are back here. So we're back with a, another founder story, but this one is a little bit different. Yes. Yeah, so at the Mad World Summit in October, Al sat down with a pretty extraordinary woman who is revolutionizing the legal industry. She's got 32,000 followers on LinkedIn, 21,000 on Instagram. She's a regular on TV and radio. She has her own YouTube channel. And back in 2018, she quit her job and launched a brand new type of law firm where she obsesses about workplace culture, health and well-being. Our guest today is the fabulous Jody Hill from Thrive Law. Yeah, the interview I did with Jody was so interesting. And despite her being like a genuine bona fide celebrity, she's really down to earth and just really honest. I mean, she she told me she started from very humble beginnings as a and this is her self-confessed working class family, and then bucked the trend in her family by following the traditional path of law. So she became a barrister, which I think is those people who stand in courtrooms with their with their fingers behind their waistcoats going, I put it to you, sir. And then a solicitor, which is a bit more of the, the people behind the, the paperwork and 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 lawsuits and all that kind of thing. And then she ended up working for a sizable company. Sorry for my really weird translations there. I was just thinking for our um for our American listeners. I think they call them slightly different, like attorneys, and there might be a slight difference there. So if you know the actual difference, then drop on LinkedIn and let us know. So at this point, she's working for this great company. She's got everything. You'd think she'd had it all. But here's Joe to explain why that certainly was not the case. When I became a solicitor, I was probably working for a couple of years, maybe three or four years, and had a mental breakdown. And the workplace that I was in really wasn't as supportive as perhaps one would hope, um, to put it politely. And also just trying to manage, you know, a mental health condition in a high achieving environment, in perfectionism and all of the traits that lawyers tend to have. Um, you know, I have PTSD, anxiety, I was struggling with insomnia. And, you know, balancing all of that with everything, with all your targets was was impossible. So I actually left my job. Um, I had nothing to go to, but I just took the view that the environment wasn't conducive to a recovery for me. And I was in a really, really dark place. Certainly in the UK, and I think in many other countries around the world as well, the legal industry and profession has a few major problems. I mean, first of all, it is quite archaic. The structure is old fashioned and it's often led by white, middle class, straight, boomer aged owners. They're usually called partners in a law firm. And they're of the opinion, well, we've always done it this way. So why change now? Secondly, when it comes to high pressure and target driven law work like litigation, you know, often the culture can have a lot of toxic traits. They're hyper competitive or rather cutthroat. Long working hours are part of the deal. We've all seen Harvey Specter on suits, not exactly the kind of boss who you'd sit down and ask if you're okay. God damn it. 
is often the just do your job (laughs) is the phrase that is used most often great drinking game drink responsibly kids but tv is exaggerated right it's not really like that well according to some research from the law society's junior lawyers division More than 90% of junior lawyers say they feel stressed and under pressure at work, with more than a quarter describing stress levels as severe or extreme. In these hyper-competitive environments, partners or leaders of these law firms will often tolerate what are called toxic superstars like Harvey because they contribute enormous fees to the firm. This means that in many, many cases, creating a workplace culture that supports individual needs and performance and well-being is pretty far down the priority list. And this is unfortunately very common in the industry. So after Jodie left, she had a problem. If she started a job with another firm, was anything really going to change? Well, actually, all I knew how to do was be a lawyer. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to be a lawyer somewhere. But I was applying to firms and I was just thinking, this is all a load of shit. Like, I can't work for any of these firms because I'm going to go exactly where I was six months ago. So... I took the view that, um, you know, in a moment of madness, that's what you do after you've had a breakdown, set my own law firm up. <laughs> so I did that and a year it was probably about a year after the breakdown. But I did it with the view of I wanted to create a psychologically safe place for me to be, quite selfishly, but also to create something that I suppose would attract clients that would share those values from an employment law perspective. So we're working with people who care about people and also staff, you know, people that share those values and aren't going to push me to the point of breakdown again. So, you know, you've got that supportive environment and creating that culture. So, so yeah, so Thrive was born five years ago and we've got a team of about 20 people across the UK now. This is the story of almost any founder, I think. Get experience in the industry, notice what could be done differently and start your own business, your own company with those values in mind. But in Jodie's case, she really did have a lot working against her. So when I set the firm up, I was 29 and a female with tattoos and from a very working class family. So, you know, nobody in my family's got any connections with law and I, there were there was a lot of kickback like oh she's just on social media and tv all the time she's not really doing any law and since then we've been featured by the law society the sra acas um literally the highest level for employment law and i just think that you know i could have i suppose at that point i could have taken too many hits because i just had the breakdown but i was just like well i haven't got anything to lose here i know what i'm saying makes sense because I've actually been the person who had the breakdown. So I know this makes sense. Um, And I suppose going through that process was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. So I'm going to crack on. I'm going to do me, stay in my lane. And actually it's just built momentum over the years. So we're still a small company. We've still only got 20, 20 people working for us. But having that level of impact across the UK when it's such a small company is just that for me is just, um, I'm really proud of that. I was really lucky that I got to go to a, I got a scholarship to go to a boarding school because my family lived abroad um, and I moved schools three times in three countries in one year. And my parents took the view that that was really disruptive when I was in senior school. So I managed to get a scholarship to go to a boarding school near York. And that just opened my eyes to things that I just didn't know existed. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're not in fact, nobody even in my school did law. Nobody did. It was just me in my year. And I'm actually going to be a barrister as well. Like, that's what I wanted. That's the most traditional route. I was like, yeah, I'll get them wigs and gowns. That sounds great. But I think, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I cross-qualified, became a solicitor in the end, but that whole process, like, I wouldn't have changed any of it because I learned so much on each 
part of that journey. And I really respect each part of that journey, even though parts of it were really difficult, as in like the breakdown, for example. But if I hadn't had that breakdown, I would never have set, I would never have gone and left a firm and set up on my own. Hell no. But when you've lost everything, you have nothing to lose. One of the foundations that Jodie insisted on when she started Thrive Law was to do things a little bit differently. But in the UK, law firms are regulated by something called the Law Society. Leanne mentioned a little earlier. So there can be strict guidelines that you have to follow. Plus, law is not exactly the most progressive of industries. But Jodie's been campaigning for a better culture in law firms, and it seems to be finally working. Well, interestingly, the SRA have just published um, some new principles that basically put well-being and anti-discrimination principles within our regulatory requirements. It's actually only just come out. I'm speaking at a conference next week about it. Um, but when I set up, it was very much, um, I suppose it was it was a nice to have. It was definitely not the, the priority in a lot of firms. And to be fair, I don't think it is a priority for a lot of firms still, because you can, in the models that they have, they make more money by making people work more hours because people are paid by the hour. So what I wanted to do was create something that was different in the sense of the way that we charge, the hours that we work, where we work, how we work, what we wear. Every single thing for me was about showing up as our true self and going, actually, this is who we are and what we want to do and how we want to do it. And just trying new things, integrating tech, looking at different pricing models, telling our staff they can work from different countries, you know, just thinking about how can we be more how can we be more innovative with the way that we work and then educating our clients to do the same thing? So kind of passing on that knowledge. Let's talk about making money for a second. I think some people might think, I mean, I say some people, not you, dear listener, because you know us and you know the deal. But I think some people might think that you can't have a great culture and also make money or make a bank, as the kids say. You know, profit and purpose on often things that are considered one of, of the same. Litigators, so the lawyers who we usually see on the TV suing someone or fighting for compensation, can bring in huge amounts of money for law firms. And the worst kept secret in traditional law firms is that they love to bill you for every minute they spend on your case. So this is generally why a lot of junior partners will put up with bullying or harassment, discrimination, toxic cultures, and 80-hour work week. Because one day, they'll become the partner and they'll be rewarded with a big fat check every year. And the cycle of abuse and trauma continues. So I wanted to know how Jodie was doing things differently, but still managing to create a profitable business. Ultimately, there are different types of lawyers and a lot of the ones that really want to win tend to be litigators. So we do litigation, but we do it in a different way. So often what happens is you'll have litigators who are, you know, I absolutely need to win. I'll do anything to win. Whereas, you know, lawyers actually do. Yes, of course, you want to win for your client, but you do have a duty of care to your client to act in their best interests as well, which might include trying to settle rather than winning. So again, it's that mindset of, you know, taking a step back and doing what's what what the best thing is for, for the individual. But at Thrive, for us, it's really about attracting people whose values are aligned with ours. In fact, Jodie's employees don't get bonuses in the usual way. We have behaviours that are aligned with our values, which the team have all agreed. And we mark each other every month on a 360 review on a scale of one to four. And you cannot get a bonus at Thrive unless you score a three or above. And the reason for that is I don't care if you bill a million pounds, if you're not a team player and you don't have 
all of those values and behaviours at a consistently high level, then I don't want that toxic biller. They can leave. And so there's a, for me, there's real power in that from a team perspective because what we're doing is breeding positive behaviours rather than going, well, you know, you can just be a dick and, and bill loads of money and you can do what you want because they get that a lot in the big firms because they go, oh, well, you know, he can just come in whenever he wants because he brings all the clients in. So... For me, that was really important to create that culture. I had to lead by example and actually that, you know, put those things in place and get the team involved in that and bought in into the whole process of understanding why it's important to, to have those behaviours and what those behaviours actually are that we agree they are. So just for a quick second, Leo, Jody mentioned 360 reviews there, 360 degrees, I'm guessing. Can you give us the 90 second summary of what a 360 review is for anyone who's not heard of this before? Yes, set the timer on. <laughs> okay, right, start. A 360 review is a type of performance evaluation method or tool. Traditionally, performance reviews, pretty one dimensional typically involving rating yourself, how you think you're performing at work and being rated and reviewed by your direct supervisor or your line manager. The issue with this is that as humans, we can be a bit rubbish at being objective a lot of the time. We have blind spots, blind spots around our own performance and the performance of others. So traditional performance reviews can be a bit limited and potentially biased. In contrast, 360 performance review will seek feedback from uh, from the individual on their performance and then from their direct supervisor or their line manager and their own direct reports and their peers and their key stakeholders and their customers. The point is to give a more holistic and balanced view of performance and gaining insights into how our behavior is perceived by others can lead to improved self-awareness. If we are aware of our faults, we can effectively develop our own capability and adopt behaviors that positively impact and influence our colleagues. I'll stop the timer. Bing, that was 91 seconds. Very well God done. God damn it. <laughs> Just do your job, Leanne. Do your goddamn job. You did very well there. So all this sounds lovely, but is there a business case? Why Why did law firms do it the old way anyway? Do clients care how their law firm is run? I think the the old school way of of I mean don't get me wrong we still we still have clients who want hourly want things on hourly rate and we've still got that ability but we don't have the billable hours process of man monitoring our staff so yeah I think I think the ability to be able to just contact your lawyer direct on WhatsApp the ability to you know just have a conversation and get to know the people that you're working with is for me, it's all about making it like a personal service. Like we are all humans in this. Like it's not, we're not robots. We're not people that you can just shout at. And I've had that in previous firms where I've been asked to, you know, go sack that pregnant woman, go and tell that person who's got a mental health problem, let's get rid of them because that's the, that's the values of that organization. And that's, that's how they, that's how they treat their people. We don't have clients who, who ask us to do that because they wouldn't ask us because they know that's not what we stand for. And that's what I really love about the, ta I suppose, me being this brutal about how these, these things are important has meant that we do attract people who we want to work with, which is really nice. Clearly, Jodie is building a firm where culture and well-being is a priority. So what can other law firms do to replicate this kind of success? So I think the easiest one is flexibility around hours and location, because if people are struggling, whether it's mental or physical health, giving anybody flexibility on the days when they're struggling more is obviously going to help them. So, and it's just so easy to do, like just trust your staff, trust that they'll get on with their work and allow that flexibility. So 
as I said before, we, you know, our staff can work from anywhere, but obviously there's an air of communication. Like we, we don't just do what we want and don't talk to anybody, but there's, there is that trust. So if we know we're not going to be available, we're logging off early, we let everybody know. And so I kind of embedding that into your culture is a really, really helpful way to give adjustments to everybody without it being this formal process of, oh, you know, you have to apply here and you have to see a manager and you have to get a doctor's note. It just allows for everybody to be their best self. So what Jodie's describing there is the idea of reasonable adjustments. Now, unfortunately, it's become somewhat of a buzzword recently, uh, but actually it's about being just a decent leader and genuinely caring about the well-being of your team. Jodie touched on the idea of working from anywhere there, hybrid or remote. Now, there can't be too many law firms who embrace remote working as much as Jodie does. So I asked her what a remote first law firm actually looks like. Well, you probably won't see many people in our office because we work smart. Um, so a lot of people work remotely. Um, we work when and where we want. Uh, so we're not, people work different days, different hours, depending on what they're contracted to. But even if you're contracted nine till five, Monday to Friday, you can work whatever hours you want, provided your work gets done. So we have policies around, you know, people can work abroad for a month. And, you know, one of our teams just gone to India for a month to an Indian festival and worked remotely for half of it and half of it has gone to visit family. So really what the difference you'll notice is very casual. Um, everyone's really down to earth. It might not be anyone in the office if you turned up. Uh, you'd have to book an appointment. Um, and actually... It's just a it's just a really relaxed atmosphere. And I think when I've worked in other firms and I've worked in big and small firms, there's a real tenseness when you go in and everybody's got their head down. And it's it's like, I don't know, it's almost like they're because they're on the clock. They don't want to look up. And there isn't there isn't that at Thrive, which is really nice. I am quickly interrupting this phenomenal podcast to recommend another phenomenal podcast. Nudge. We love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, a true gent. It is, of course, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. But that is not the only reason we're recommending it, is it, Al? No, it's not. No, we've recommended it to lots of people. In fact, if you look at any of our YouTube comments, it won't take you long, there's about 20 of them, <laughs> then you'll see that we recommend Phil uh, to anyone who likes our pod. Well, on Nudge, you're going to learn simple evidence-backed tips. It's going to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, and grow a business. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. For now. For now, Phil, we're coming for you, buddy. <laughs> if you loved hearing Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy on our show back in episode 83, then Phil's latest episode has Rory on again talking about McDonald's, smoking, and why the pension system is broken. I suppose we should say that actually Rory's been on a couple of times on to nudge. It's not that uh, Phil's seen what we've done and gone, I'll have Rory. So I think it's important yeah, for no, us to Yeah, no, we say copied. That. We copied Phil. Anyway, listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. And as a quick aside, regular listeners will know I'm very bullish on AI. Unsurprisingly, Jodie feels the same. What I would really like to to see is we are we are integrating AI into the the service delivery, trying to you know not necessarily do more work and work more hours. It's more about how can we be more profitable so the team don't have to work as many hours and how can we make their life easier and also our customers lives easier in terms of accessing our support so really looking at how we can integrate tech into the business so if you've heard any of the episodes we've done before you'll know that i am pretty passionate about helping leaders create great places to work but that does require a change of mindset at the highest of levels at senior leaders with business owners with boards and that can be hard I wanted to know what Jodie thought was a reason that more law firms aren't doing this. 
So I, I think part of it is cult- to change culture and to change the processes that these big firms have got in place is is, is going to take forever. You know, and you've also got the fact that there's just me. I'm the only director and shareholder. I can make quick decisions. I make decisions based on what's right for me and my team. So we're agile. We're able to make those those decisions. And, and I'm ADHD, so I'm quite impulsive. So I can do that. <laughs> Whereas if you've got a partnership model, you've got 100 partners in 100 countries, you know, getting those changes is just, it's now impossible. Plus, a lot of them will think, well, I had to work really hard to get to that point. So hell no, you're not having the, the changes. Plus I'm thinking, well, I'm equity now, so I'm not spending that money on you guys because I want to get my cash out. So there is this mindset of, you know, until these people at the top leave those organisations, I just don't see a lot of them genuinely changing for the better. There's still practices like billable hours in place in so many firms, and it's just not conducive to positive mental health. So the boomers are to blame again. I'm half joking, but there are actual there are actual boomers of boomer age, and then there are people of my generation, and all our mentors and former bosses were boomers. So that means we run the risk of thinking that this kind of and I'm going to use the word fluffiness for uh, because I've just trigger warning <laughs> trigger warning. But this means we run the risk of thinking this kind of fluffiness is just for the young folks. So Jody really surprised me when she explained that her firm isn't full of TikTok kids who just are demanding a better workplace. It's a bit of a mixture. The, um, so we've got probably about 50% over the age of 30 um, and 50% under. So yeah, it's a bit of a mixture, to be honest. Um, but I'd say as well, we've got people who've come and joined us from big firms, got quite a lot of people that are older than me. So I'm 35, got a lot of people that are way into their 40s and early 50s who, who have worked at the big firms and come as consultants, for example. So we've got a mixture of self-employed and employed people, depending on how they want to work. And so that gives us the breadth and the depth of experience from, you know, well, all across the country. And that's why we've got people in London, in Exeter and Devon, up in Leeds and Yorkshire. Bravo, Jodie. What an incredible woman. You really are an inspiration. I'd expect Jodie to want to keep all this a secret, but that could not be further from the truth. I would absolutely love others to follow what we're doing. And that's why I've been working, um, well, not just with the government, but with other organisations helping them do what we do. So I've worked with other law firms. In fact, when some of the really big law firms go, knock, 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 please, can you tell us how you did that? That's kind of a bit of a pinch me moment because you're thinking, well, actually, they're, they're actually listening to me. They're seeing that it's valuable to invest in their people. Whether they affect the change remains to be seen because it takes time. But at the moment, as well, I'm also working with the government on changing the law. And one of the things that I really do think we need to do is update the Health and Safety Act on the basis of, you know, we've got all of this supportive legislation on this side for physical health when it comes to secondary legislation. But there's nothing when it comes to well-being and mental health other than there's a duty of care. That's it. So what I've been looking at is creating a similar, uh, similar way to how physical health is assessed through risk assessments, which have recommendations for how you would then support your team with mental health and well-being. And that's something I know the bill's being read again in November that we're working on to try and affect that positive change. And I'm just going to draw down all my experience from the firm and the, and the work that we've been doing to try and create a framework that will be free for everybody to use so that they can do this as well, because it, is, it isn't as difficult as everybody's saying. I think people are just very resistant to change. 
In fact, and you can properly see the natural ADHD entrepreneur coming out through here in Jody. Jody's developed an entirely new income stream from this. And that should be an inspiration to you too. Because if you get this right, people in your industry will actually pay you to help implement the changes in their own business. And yeah, and just continue to grow and attract people that, that share those values. Um, I'm doing a lot of work in the neurodiversity space as well. And I'd like to see the firm leading more with that. What we have seen over the last two years is the amount of training requests that we get. I mean, it's about 50% of our business now. So that part of the business is just flying. Obviously, the legal stuff is growing at the same rate, is, go, is growing at a, a very steady rate. But this has just come from, you know, obviously speaking at lots of places and, and people just seeing, well, actually, if we follow these steps, it's going to have the positive impact. So you know, lots of people go, oh, well, you, you're a lawyer, don't you want to wait for it to go wrong? And you can just pick up all the, because you know, that's where lawyers make their money, isn't it? But actually, it's not, because we've got the knowledge of how we could prevent these things from happening. So let's, let's use that knowledge and experience to educate people, to educate employers and managers and, and try to affect lasting change, rather than this kind of reactive support that a lot of firms give. So before we wrap up, I wanted to revisit the period in Jodie's life when she knew things weren't quite right. What are some of the signs that you're struggling as a leader or that your workplace needs to change? Really unfortunate in that I wasn't self-aware enough. So one of the things that I would recommend everybody does is start to journal and try to be more aware of that their emotions, their behaviours and reflecting on like things that are happening in their life. And even if it's just a minute a day, that will help you to start to see patterns and I wish I'd known this before because I got to a point where I nearly wasn't here. So, you know, knowing that now, I'm quite strict with my self-care, my journaling and the way that I communicate. And I still have therapy now, still have it because I actually really enjoy therapy because I'm learning lots about myself still. But in terms of the behaviours and the signs, usually it's a change in behaviour. So if you're a really extroverted person and then you start withdrawing, for example, um, the other way around might be you're really introverted and you start like blurting things out, but also feeling more tired, less sociable, that type of thing. Um, and I just found that I was getting really agitated really easily. Everything was annoying me. I was really demotivated. And I got to the point where I didn't want to leave the house. And I was never, I've always been, I've always been someone that's quite outgoing and, you know, will crack on with anything. Even if I've got flu, I don't have a sick day, I crack on, you know, it's not never a problem. But I think that part, that actually was part of the problem because I wasn't listening to the signs. So take the breaks when you need them. Like we all need the breaks. And I have a rule now, I go somewhere every month now. And, and people are like, that's really extra. And I'm like, well, it's not really extra. It's that's how I, that's how I stay alive. That's how I thrive. Because if I, and it's only, it might only be a weekend here or something, but getting out of my routine and making sure that I've got that time to reflect is just so important. And to anyone who's listening who are thinking, but I love work. I'm absolutely fine. Thank you very much. Jodie has a message for you. I'm an absolute workaholic. I know that I am. I'm ADHD. I'm, I'm definitely on that spectrum of I could work every single day because I just love what I do, which is, sounds really sad, but it's true. And the reality is if you're in that mindset, you, you know, you could, I could end up in burnout really quickly. And so I, I appreciate the t personality type that I am. I'm always up and down, but I do have these, t these times blocked out. So whether it's to go to a spa or, or yoga or surf, I've just got back of a surf and yoga retreat. And I, I know that if I've got these things booked in my diary and blocked out, then I'm going to avoid that burnout because I know that I've got that time. So 
that works for me. Someone else, you tell them to surf, they might be like, that's going to make me have a panic attack. <laughs> so it's about finding what's right for you. And actually last year, I actually made my own journal and sell it on Amazon because I found that all the journals I was using, I was getting like three or four weeks in and I was getting bored. So I just mixed it up so it's like a one page and it's different questions, different areas to focus on. And that for me, obviously it helped, helped me. And then I've given that to my staff and then they were like, you should just sell this. So yeah, so I've, so I now sell those on Amazon and actually that's a really great way for me to continue to share that message. So there you have it. If you are a law firm and you know your workplace has to change, then you can contact Jodie using the links in the show notes. If you're interested in Jodie's journal, we'll link to that too. And we'll also pop on all of her social media accounts where you can go and see some amazing stuff that she's posting across the socials. Yeah, it really is an incredible entrepreneur, business owner, leader to follow and an awesome business to follow as well. Definitely do check it out. If there are any law professionals listening who maybe feel their mental health is being impacted by a toxic work environment, there is help available. If you are in the UK, Law Care is a free, independent and confidential helpline that provides a space to talk about anything that may be worrying you. You can call them on 0800 279 6888. The American Bar Association to our friends over the pond also provide a host of mental health resources, including lawyer assistance programs or LAPs. They provide confidential services and support to judges, lawyers and law students who are facing mental health or substance abuse issues. We will leave a link in the show notes. So I think that's the end of another founder episode. Well, it is the end of another founder episode, but it was it, honestly, if you're interested at all in workplace culture, even if it's not law, go check out Jody. She is just a force to be reckoned with. She is so passionate about everything and so honest. Definitely go and subscribe to her. Um, I We we would say who we got next week, but we want to keep it a secret, um, which actually means we haven't decided between two people whether we've got <laughs> inside a, inside a trick. Also, another insider secret is that um, I, can't, I don't think I remember how to edit these. So uh, if you're watching this and there's, there's a bit of a rough edit, it's probably because I've forgotten exactly how we edit this. There are people watching this. What? <laughs> well, there's 19 people on YouTube watch the last one. <laughs> 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 let's hope that in 2025 we'll have a few more than just a few hundred watches on our videos but anyway if you are listening to this and you haven't subscribed click subscribe do us a favor um and also just tell anyone who you think might be interested in us we we're on episode what 73 now i think are we i have no idea i barely know what day it is <laughs> And hopefully, hopefully, you know by now that what we're trying to do here is just bring you some amazing guests. We have got some incredible people coming up soon. But again, can't tell you about that because of trade secrets and other reasons. Anything else to add, Lee? <laughs> no, all I'd add, get in touch. You know where we are. You'll find us on the LinkedIn, the Instagram. You will find us on the talk as well. Uh, get in touch. If there is something that you want us to be discussing on Truth and Lies, let us know. We will pick up the topic and we'll find some expert guests for you. Let us know. It's always nice to hear from listeners um, and know what is gonna gonna help you on your journey to being an awesome leader that creates awesome workplaces. So let us know. This is your podcast too. Yeah. So thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. So before we wrap up, I wanted to revisit the period. Oh God, it's a bit upbeat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> mm.